you have given us a wonderful gift and that you've given us this opportunity to glorify your holy name. I give of myself for you to use my words, my mouth, to speak your words, to glorify your holy name. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, to flow through each person here and touch their heart and give them the message that you want them to receive. We praise you and we thank you for being here. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right, my name's Robert Womack. Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, and I am the redeemed of the Lord. And I want to thank Pastor David tonight for allowing me to be here to do this. So I know that he's given up his pulpit one more time, and so we'll look forward to some good information going by. Today, uh, he asked me to speak about healing, and so I am going to talk about healing, but I want to get to it in a, in a certain way. So first of all, I would like for you to think about it. If I went out and purchased nine $100 Visa gift cards, nine, roundabout number, and I gave each of you the nine Visa gift cards, what is my intention when I give you those cards? Can you think about that? Come on now. I need a little feedback every once in a while. But my intention is for you to use them, right? Okay. So no strings attached. I gave you the gift cards. And my thought is that once I've given you the gift cards, you're going to go out and use them. They're yours. Okay? So let's imagine you take one of the gift cards and you go out and use it, and you put the other eight in a drawer. Do those gift cards still belong to you? They're yours. Can you go the rest of your life and never see those eight gift cards again? Yes. Yeah. In fact, we've got a drawer of gift cards that's probably several years old now, and we're trying to pull them out and say, oh, let's use this before it goes away. But my full intention was for you to use the gift cards I gave you. And if you don't use them, that's not my intention. But I'm not going to make you use them. Right? They're yours. It's for you to go and do. Okay? So let's look at this. Uh, what is a gift? The Webster Dictionary says... A gift is something given voluntarily without payment in return as to show favor towards someone, honor an occasion, or make a gesture of assistance or it's a present. A gift is also the act of giving. The Webster Dictionary says something bestowed or acquired, bestowed, and I'm, I'm it's put to me, or acquired without any particular effort by the recipient or without its being earned, okay? Or a gift is a special ability or capacity, a natural endowment or a talent. So I'd like for you to keep those things in mind as we talk about this tonight, okay? So I want to start off with Ephesians 2.8, God's Word. Let's see, do we have it here or there? back there as well? Okay. I've used several different versions 
Uh, I like the King, New King James, but sometimes it's some of the different versions gives the wording that I'd like to have. So you'll see some different versions here. This is the God's Word's version. God saved you through faith as an act of kindness. You had nothing to do with it. Being saved is a gift from God. Okay? You had nothing to do with your salvation as far as this goes. This is a gift from God, right? Who did God give this gift to? Come on, somebody's got to think about it. What did you say? God gave this gift of salvation to every human being, right? Okay. Does every human being accept this gift? But isn't it already given? The gift is already done. It was done 2,000 plus years ago. So the gift was given to every human being. We all have the choice, like the gift cards, is to take that gift and to use it or act like it never existed. You all in here have most likely received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you are saved by the Jesus Christ. It's a gift from God. But did God make you accept this salvation? Okay. So he put the gift out there. And it's your responsibility to accept it. And say, this is my gift from God. Okay? He didn't put this on there. Now, would God, now that Jesus Christ has already paid the penalty and paid the price, would God not save a person who surrendered and asked Jesus to be the Lord of his life? Well, I would say that God is looking at Jesus and said, you've paid the price for every human being. So if someone does what my word says, you're going to receive salvation. So if this person comes up and says, I give my life to Jesus, God's not sitting there. No, not for you. Uh-uh. No, what he says, welcome. Welcome, right? Okay. Why do we believe this? Why do, why do we believe that if God gave us the gift of salvation and we simply claim it and receive it, why do we believe it? I mean, it's not something we can tangibly feel, right? This is something we're told in the Bible that this is what will happen if you receive it, if you speak out and acknowledge Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior you are saved. So if it's not something we feel, and it's not something I can stand right here and you can look at me and say, oh, that person's saved, you just can't do that. We believe this because God said it, right? God said it in his word. And that brings us to Isaiah 55, 11. So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void. And I like the AMP version because it adds to it. Um, without producing any effect, useless, 
but it shall accomplish that which I please and purpose, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. So God said that he's watching over his word, right? And that's why we believe this, is we say, okay, we do have an almighty God who is our creator, and he said this. He's also said that he's backing up his word, so we believe this. And if he said that if I acknowledge Jesus Christ and I'm saved, then that's what it is. And you can't convince me otherwise. Okay? Let's do uh, 1 Corinthians 6.19. You surely know that your body is a temple where the Holy Spirit lives. The Spirit is in you and is a gift from God. You are no longer your own. Okay. The Holy Spirit is another gift to you. When you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he's turned around and said, I'm going to put my spirit inside of you. All right? That is a gift that you did not do anything to earn, to get, to receive. I've simply acknowledged Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Now my body is a temple, and the Holy Spirit is put to you. Okay? This Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is the power of all creation. This Holy Spirit is the Spirit that was indwelt into Jesus, who allowed him to do all the miracles and all the, the healings, the salvation, not the salvation, but everything he did uh, was brought about because of the Holy Spirit. Well, now that you're saved, that Holy Spirit, again, is a gift that is inside of you. It's there. You have to know it. It is not a feeling. It's like salvation. Salvation is not a feeling. It's a knowing. I have to know what God's Word said. And if I know that the Spirit's within me, it's there. And you can't convince me otherwise. Because God said it, and He's backing up His words. Let's go to Romans 8 and 9. But you are not living the life of the flesh. Did you hear that? You, you are not living the life of the flesh. You are living the life of the Spirit. Okay? We all walk through our lives today, and we are experiencing our flesh life. We're experiencing everything that we feel, we see, we touch, we taste. It's our flesh. But God is telling us right here, it says, you are not living the life of the flesh. You are living the life of the Spirit. If the Holy Spirit of God really dwells within you, and when He dwells within you, He directs and controls you, that's when you're living in the Spirit. Okay? But if anyone does not possess the Holy Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. He does not belong to Christ, is not truly a child of God. So, I've been around people who say, well, you know, I don't know, I'm not really filled with the Holy Spirit, or I don't know if I'm filled, I don't know if I have the Spirit, or whatever. Okay, well, this verse right here says, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not a child of God. The previous verses said, that once I've received Christ, the gift of the Holy Spirit is here. So either I deny it, or I say, there's no way it's anything different than this. I have the Holy Spirit within me, the Spirit of God lives inside of me. You have to determine, 
to trust what the Word of God says and realize that the Spirit, the power of all creation, lives inside of you. This is not a spirit that's way away. It's not a spirit that I wonder if it's going to come here and be in this room. No, the Spirit of God is inside of me. It's inside of you. Okay? You have to know that. 1 Timothy 1.7 I don't know. I don't that No. Okay, either I put the wrong verse down or whatever. The verse that I want to communicate to you is for God gave us for the spirit that God gave us does not make us timid but gives us power, love and self-discipline. Okay. You have the spirit of God living inside of you. And this spirit helps you to be bold, to be able to talk, to be able to communicate the words of God, to glorify God in every way. But the most important thing that we're talking about tonight for healing is he gives us power. Okay? Most of us walk through our lives and we say, I'm a nobody, I've got nothing. But the Word of God says that you have the Spirit of God inside of you, and this Spirit gives you power, okay? And one of the problems we have as fleshly beings is we say, oh, no, 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 this is all God. It's like, absolutely it's all God. You live in the Spirit, just like it said earlier. You're not living by flesh. And the power is not you. It is God who is the power. It is the Holy Spirit that is the power that is within you. And God gave you that gift. It's there to be used, or I can sock it away in a drawer. Okay? This one's pretty long. I'm just going to read it. It's uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 13. There are different kinds of gifts, but they are all given to believers by the same Spirit. Okay? They are all, all, all the gifts are given to believers, believers, by the same Spirit. All of the gifts are given to believers, all of them. There are different ways to serve, but they all come from the same Lord. There are different ways the Spirit works. But the same God is working in all these ways and in all people. The Holy Spirit is given to each of us in a special way. That is for the good of all. To some people the Spirit gives a message of wisdom. To others the same Spirit gives a message of knowledge. To others the same Spirit gives faith. To others that one Spirit gives gifts of healing. Okay. I want you to keep that thought in mind as we go and progress through this because I want you to see something where it says, to others, that one spirit gives gifts of healing. Now, the thought for most people would be, okay, somebody has that gift. Is that not true? Most of the somebody has that gift because the spirit gives that gift to some people. Okay? So just keep that in mind. 
To others, he gives the power to do miracles. To others, he gives the ability to prophecy. To others, he gives the ability to tell the spirits apart. To others, he gives the ability to speak in different kinds of languages they had not known before. And to still others, he gives the ability to explain what was said in those languages. All the gifts are produced by one and the same Spirit. That one Spirit has all the gifts. That one Spirit has all the power of the creation of the world within it. That one Spirit has the power of God. That one Spirit lives inside of you, and it has all of the gifts. Right? That Spirit is what we would call anointed, and it's never not anointed. Okay? All the gifts are produced by one and the same Spirit. He gives gifts to each person just as he decides. There is one body, but it has many parts. But all its many parts make up one body. It is the same with Christ. We were all baptized by one Holy Spirit, and so we are formed into one body. Okay? Now, obviously, people have a special gift because this, these verses 4 through 13 speak of nine gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to people as he decides or as he wills. Okay, but I want you to understand as you read this, we're looking at it, and if you come at this verses one way is, oh, the Holy Spirit gives the gift of healing to someone. He gives the gift of tongues to someone. He gives the gifts of miracles to someone. You can always go about saying, well, I guess I don't have the gift. I guess it's not for me. I guess that's not mine because I don't experience that. But let's look at this a different way. Let's look at this as, okay, the Holy Spirit that has the power of the creation of the world lives inside of you. And when you go to a situation where you need to perform a miracle, the Holy Spirit says, okay, act upon this as if you have the gift of miracles. And you act upon it at that time. Maybe he's giving you that gift at that moment. Or I'll run up to someone that has a physical problem. And I'm the same person that needed to do the miracle over here. Now, when I'm up to the person that needs a physical problem healed, and I pray for them, the Holy Spirit issues the power or the gift of healing in you now. Could it not be that all of these gifts are yours, and that when you come across the scenario, the Holy Spirit performs for you? It could be. So let's continue on and see what, if any of that could be the truth. I didn't have this verse up here, but I wanted to point out, Paul himself said in Corinthians 12, 31, he says, but above all, you should want the more important gifts. What that does for me is tell me that Paul is looking at all these nine gifts and say, you know what? You can go after these gifts. They're not, okay, this one's for John and this one's for Peter and this one's for Paul. No, you can 
decide that you want to go after a gift and you start walking in that and trying to exercise that gift. Okay? So Paul says, you should want to desire them. All right? Well, all of the gifts to me are important. All of them are presented at different times in our lives. And I would venture to say that all of us have experienced part of it in every way because it's not something we do. Remember, it's a gift. So the gift is given to you without any recourse. So it is yours. People say, well, I must not have this or that gift. You've heard it. I've always heard it. I've been in church my whole life, and we've been told. Uh, you know, that person's got the gift of speaking in tongues, and I just don't have that gift. Every time we say that God said this, but in our minds, we've limited God. We've said, no, he can't perform that in my life because I said so. That doesn't mean he can't perform it, but me, myself, I have said, no, God can't do this in my life. We can limit what we believe God can do for us. And we do it every day. But recognize the fact that the power of God lives inside of you. And all of these gifts belong to the Holy Spirit who can give them to you at any moment that you need them. Romans eleven twenty nine. For God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. He does not withdraw what he has given, nor does he change his mind about those to whom he gives his grace or to whom he sends his call. God's gifts are irrevocable. I've been around people that say, well, you know, you should, I was able to bring people to Christ. And I had that anointing where I could speak and bring people to Christ. And it just left me. Now I'm no longer anointed. I just, people just don't get saved when I talk to them anymore. God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. It's not going to leave you. The power of the Holy Spirit is there within you and will never leave you. It's there. So if you assume that you no longer have that ability or the power to do something, you're the one limiting the Holy Spirit, not the Spirit. In the Old Testament, the Spirit would come upon prophets and other people would give them special abilities, but God would withdraw that spirit. And that is where we get this from, is in the Old Testament, we're like, okay, well, the spirit may not be a part of us anymore because it left. I'm not capable. I'm not able to do what I was used to being able to do. But when Jesus Christ died on the cross and redeemed us, and we became the temple of the Holy Spirit, that spirit that come to live inside of you will never leave you nor forsake you. We'll never leave you. Never. Okay. We need to get into some healing scriptures. So Isaiah 53, 5. 
Old Testament scripture telling us what Jesus was going to do. Okay? Isaiah 52. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our wickedness, our sins, our injustice, our wrongdoing. The punishment that was required for our well-being fell on him. The punishment that we were supposed to receive fell on Jesus. He took that. And by his stripes or wounds, we are healed. Okay? This is what Jesus did for us. This is what the Son of God did for us. So can you imagine as a parent, you can sit and watch your child take on the sins of the world, being beaten and torn apart. I just can't, I can't imagine. But God allowed his son to do this. He did, and he did this, and we are healed by his stripes. Galatians 3, 13 through 14. Again, what did Christ do for us? Christ purchased our freedom. Purchased. It was done. Purchased our freedom and redeemed us from the curse of the law and its condemnation by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs, crucified on a tree, cross, in order that that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might also come to the Gentiles so that we would all receive the promise of the Holy Spirit through faith. Jesus Christ purchased, it's done. He's redeemed you from the curse of the law. He has redeemed you from the curse of the law. Now Deuteronomy chapter 28 in the Old Testament, is the law. The first third of that chapter are the blessings, and the next two-thirds of the chapter are the curses of the law. All right, when you read those curses, it is like financial disaster, ruin, your crops won't make it, you'll have sickness, disease, pains, aches, people will hate you, all kinds of bad things. You are redeemed from that. Jesus Christ purchased that. Jesus Christ took the penalty upon himself so that you don't have to have it. Okay? We are redeemed from the curse. If we have any of those curses affecting our lives today, if we are sick, financially struggling, Hated, I mean, any of the ones that are listed in Deuteronomy chapter 28, this is an abomination to God. And I can say this wholeheartedly because Jesus Christ, his son, paid the price. So if I have sickness and disease, which I've had aches and pains and I'm hurting, whatever, that is not God's desire for me. Jesus paid the price. Now, some people will say, well, that's a spiritual healing. Well, the Bible tells us that in heaven there is no sickness, no disease, so the spirit is perfect in every way. So it's not a spiritual healing. The only healing we need is here, physical healing. You have to understand 
Jesus Christ paid the price for you to be redeemed from the curse of the law. It is a gift from Jesus Christ to you. It is a gift from God to you. There is nothing we have to do after salvation to receive this gift except for to recognize that it's ours and you have to take it with force now. And by taking it with force, you have to break the thought of this world as, well, we just have to live with the things that are going on. We just have to suffer this or suffer that. I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't, I can't, I can't. Those are not in the Bible. You are living by the power of the Holy Spirit because that Spirit's inside of you. If you think that God is allowing some sickness or trouble in your life, you are literally saying that God doesn't care what Jesus did. If Jesus said it is finished, it's done, it's paid for, God is not going to say, well, I think that person deserves cancer. I think that person deserves diabetes. I think that person deserves to lose their job. No, Jesus Christ paid the price for us to be redeemed from the curse of the law. If what Jesus did is not of importance, then we can turn back and look at our lives that way in a fleshly way. But we are not living in the flesh. We're living in the spirit. Salvation is yours for the taking. The redemption from the curse of the law is yours for the taking. You have to acknowledge it just like you do salvation. As Father, I believe that you have redeemed me from the curse of the law, and I am no longer under this. I have the blessings that you said that I would have. And you have to acknowledge that, just like salvation. And as soon as you acknowledge salvation, you believe it wholeheartedly that you are saved and there's nothing that can be done to stop you from being saved. You have to be the exact same way. I'm redeemed from the curse of the law and all of the blessings are mine. I was healed by the wounds of Jesus Christ. I was healed by his stripes. And people can look at you and say, I can tell you not, I can see you. And I say, I don't care what you see. I'm living by what Jesus Christ did for me. I'm living by what the Holy Spirit that's within me says that I can do. You have to be so steadfast that you cannot allow people to change your mind. I'm saved. There's nothing you can say to change my mind. I am healed. There is nothing you can say to change my mind. I am redeemed from the curse of the law. There is nothing you can say. There is nothing that I see in the natural that's going to change my mind. There's where we're having our problems. We've got to get out and say, you know what? What is true? Is God's word true or is this natural true? I know many of you have heard that people come around and say, you know, well, God has allowed this to happen to me. God allowed my family to be broken up because I needed to be taught a lesson. God allowed diabetes on me to help me stay focused. God has allowed me to lose my job so that 
I would put him first in my life. Well, did he? Did God sit up there and say, you know, Jesus' payment wasn't enough? We have to start thinking about that. And it's changing your mind. You've got to change your mind to recognize that what Jesus did for you is real. No matter the circumstances that you're experiencing at this moment. Period. It's not about you. It's about what Jesus did. We all hear about it's the name of Jesus. It's the power of Jesus. But we have to recognize and put what did he do? And then realize it's a gift to you. It is about Jesus. And it's not about, well, I didn't read my Bible enough. So if I didn't read my Bible enough, I'm not going to get the car I need or the bills paid that I need. No. That's worldly. Jesus paid the price to give me everything that God said I would be mine. God would not say the price that Jesus paid was enough for you and you and you, but not enough for you or you or you. He treats us all the same. The price that Jesus paid was enough for all of humanity. Period. Jesus said, it is finished. The work that he did is finished. The price was fully paid. You, as a Christian, as a believer, have the Holy Spirit living inside of you to assure you of this gift, to assure you that the power of God is within you. I want you to remember that the Holy Spirit is inside of you. If the Holy Spirit's inside of you, what does this mean? We need to step back and think about that just a little bit. I don't feel him. So really, what is it? If the Holy Spirit's inside of you, you are empowered. Period. The power of God lives inside of you. You have to learn how to tap into that, to touch it, and say, okay, I'm going to release this. So let's look at some of these. John 14, 26. But the helper, the comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. So Jesus is talking about this, right? The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, in my place to represent me and act on my behalf. He will teach you all things, and he will help you remember everything that I have told you. You should look at this as the Holy Spirit will act on the behalf of Jesus. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. So wherever you go, whatever circumstance you see, whatever experience you experience, the Holy Spirit is inside you to act on the behalf of Jesus. So if, he see, if you see someone that's sick, the Holy Spirit wants to act on behalf of Jesus. So what does he want to do? He wants to go over and lay hands on this sick person. 
If you see someone sitting on the street that needs money or help, I can look at that. No, I'm going to keep going. But what would Jesus want to do? The Holy Spirit inside of you wants to act on the behalf of Jesus Christ, who is inside of you. And you see that person? Let me help you. All of the gifts of the Holy Spirit are that way. When you see a scenario or a situation that needs something, the Holy Spirit wants to act on the behalf of Jesus Christ. You can quell that. You can sit there and say, yeah, I'm going to just keep going. Or you can say, you know what? I'm going to go pray for this person. Or I'm going to go do something for this person. And when you do that, the Holy Spirit is your helper. The Holy Spirit, the power of God, will come forward. It is not you having the power. It is the Holy Spirit that's inside of you. When you do the act of what Jesus wants to have done, the Holy Spirit's power will flow through you. The Holy Spirit wants to act on the behalf of Jesus. Since he is the helper, he's waiting on you to take action. Because he's not going to force you to do something. He's waiting on you to take action. So start acting and doing things like the gifts of the Spirit are yours. You will see them manifest in your life. They're there. The Holy Spirit has never not been anointed. The Holy Spirit has never lost His power. The Holy Spirit is inside of you, and that power is there with you always. So when you take an action step toward it, the very first thing I promise you that comes into our mind is, oh my gosh, I hope God would do something. But instead of being that way, that verse that says God didn't give us the spirit of timid, to be timid. That's what it says. Oh, I hope God. No, I walk up and say, God is going to do something for you. You be bold because you are in the spirit. You are acting on behalf of Jesus Christ. That power shows up when you show up with it. Let's see if any of this is true. You know, last weekend we did hear, is it in the Bible a couple times, right? So is this in the Bible? Yes, it is. Matthew 18, 18. Truly, I tell you, whatever you forbid and declare to be improper and unlawful on earth must be what is already forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit and declare proper and lawful on earth must be what is already permitted in heaven. Okay. Mine reads just a little bit different, and I'm going to read this one as well as that one. I assure you, and most solemnly say to you, whatever you bind. Did it say, you know, well, God, the Spirit, the principalities? No. It says, whatever you bind 
forbid, declare to be improper and unlawful on earth shall have already been bound in heaven. Well, what does that mean? Well, there's no sickness in heaven. So you can bind sickness here. There's no um, lack in heaven. So you should be able to bind that here. I'm not saying I know how to do all these things, but God says that we can do them. And what God says is 100% true. Also, he says, if something is lawful in heaven, you're allowed to loose it here. So health, prosperity, joy, success. You are allowed to loose that here. Well, I don't understand. I'm Robert. I'm a nobody. No. I'm wall-to-wall Holy Ghost. I'm wall-to-wall Spirit of God. And the power of God is within me. I am not timid. I have the ability to loose what's loosed in heaven. I have the ability to bind what's bound in heaven. Well, you arrogant so-and-so. Well, no, it's not me saying this. God said it. And how is it wrong to say something that God has said about you? It is not. So you have to be bold. And you say, if God says I can do this, I can do this. It is not up to you to make the results happen. That's pretty wild. So I don't have to make the results happen. Thank goodness, because remember, I'm a nobody. No, that's not true. I'm a wall-to-wall Holy Ghost. But it's not my responsibility to make happen what's here. God said that his words never return void. They always will perform what he said them to do. They always will. We've all heard people say, well, I prayed for so-and-so and nothing ever happened. So, it's not your problem. Your responsibility was to pray. And you did what you were supposed to do. Because I'll tell you, everything in this life, we all look at it and say, well, God is the one that's making these things happen. He's in total control. But no, he gave you a lot of control. So as long as I pray for someone and I don't see anything happen, that doesn't mean that it didn't happen. It could happen one hour from now. It could happen two weeks from now. It could happen a month from now. In fact, you've got to think about all healing is a process. The creator of your body created you with a purpose in mind. He said, I'm going to create this body, and if it gets cut, it's going to instantly start to heal. So your blood starts to clot, you have a scab form over, your cut starts to heal. It may take a month for it to completely heal, but you start to heal immediately. God says, okay, well, if they have an accident and fall down and break a leg or a bone, I don't want that to happen, so I'm going to make that bone heal. So your body will start to heal as soon as you put the bone back together. Your body is healing. It's a process. God says, you know what? I'm also going to create these bodies to where sickness and disease don't want to affect. I don't want sickness and disease to affect these bodies. It's like, how can you know that? Well, if you're exposed to any sickness and any disease, your body starts to create antibodies instantly. 
The intention of the creator of these bodies is for us to walk in divine health, period. If we are not walking in divine health, is that God's problem? No. He created us to do that. He also gave us authority and ability to do things. Okay? All of us have heard this one. This one's been beaten up everywhere. Is Mark eleven twenty three? Everyone's heard it, and we can all say, okay, yeah, I've heard that before. But you have to take the Word of God and believe it. Again, don't let anyone convince you otherwise. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, whoever says to this cancer, whoever says to this diabetes, whoever says to this pain, whoever says to this bill, whoever says to the accident that I had, whoever says whatever problem that is in your life, be removed and be cast into the sea. And that person that's speaking, if they do not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. You know, this works for people that are not Christians. They're going around saying, oh my gosh, the economy's going bad. I'm going to be the first one to lose my job. They believe it. You know, they're the ones starting to lose their job. The other one said, oh, you wait to see. I'm going to buy this new car. I'm going to run over a nail. My tire's going to go flat. They're speaking these things, and they believe them. And you know what typically happens? They run over a nail, and their tire goes flat. It's amazing that the words we speak come true. But if you know that the power of God is backing you up when you speak these words, it's magnified in your life. I know that the power of God lives inside of me. So when I speak to that problem, I want to speak to to that problem the way God would speak to it. And it will be magnified in my life. Luke one thirty seven, For with God nothing shall be impossible. Nothing. And the Spirit of God lives inside of you. So through you, nothing shall be impossible. You're not stepping on God's toes. He gave you the gift of the Spirit. He gave you that gift to use. It is yours. Mark 16, 17 through 18. Jesus Christ. Now remember back when I said that when I was reading off the nine gifts, and I said, remember, the gift of healing is given to some? This is Jesus. These signs will follow those who believe. Who believes? Those who believe. And that's a believer, right? In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up servants. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And the previous one, we said that the Holy Spirit gives some the gift of healing. Jesus just said, the ones who believe will lay hands on the sick. Is that not the gift of healing? They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Did Jesus lie? No, 
So all believers can lay hands on the sick and they will recover. But if you look back at the other one, it says, well, the gift of healing is given to some as the Holy Spirit wants to. When I believe that when you take the action to go and pray for someone, the Holy Spirit gives you that gift. He gives you the gift that needs to be used at the time for the circumstance that you're facing. That's my interpretation. But it's also right here. All right. Let's do an example. Here's an example of healing from the Old Testament. And this reveals a lot, okay? So you remember where Paul was walking and he was persecuting the Christians and Jesus reveals himself to him and Jesus' light blinds Paul, okay? So Acts 9, 11 and 12. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. Because Saul had already gone to the house on Straight Street. For behold, he is praying... And in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Okay. If Jesus met Paul and the light of Jesus blinded Paul, did not Jesus have the power right then to open his eyes? Yeah, he's God, right? He's got the power. But he doesn't work that way. He said that believers will lay hands on the sick. Remember? So this is Old Testament. Acts 9, 17 and 18. And Ananias went his way and entered the house. Laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me. He sent you. He has sent me that you may receive your sight. Well, couldn't we step back saying, who do you think you are, you arrogant Ananias? No. God told Ananias to do this. God, Jesus, said, believers will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Immediately, there were, uh, fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. That's Old Testament. The Holy Spirit came upon Ananias and the ability, if he just did what he was supposed to do, lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. And that's what happened. In fact, there's examples in the Bible where people were praying. And an angel, they were praying and said, I want to be saved. And an angel shows up and says, we've heard your prayer. Go talk to this person over here and they will tell you how to be saved. Wouldn't you think if an angel popped up and showed up in front of you, he could tell you, you know, all you have to do is receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It's like, no. That job wasn't given to the angels. That, God, that job was given to people. People that are filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm about done, y'all. I know it's been a little while. So what I'm going to do is this is a, an excerpt that I had read from a, a site online by Michael King. It is, Behold the Restoration of the Sons of God. This is pretty extreme, but 
when you think about it, if the power of God is within you, is there anything extreme? No. The Holy Spirit that spoke the heavens and earth into existence literally dwells within us. Therefore, God's power to create flows through our beings. If we will dare to allow God to manifest Himself through us, nothing is impossible. All of these verses that we've been talking about, this is it. We all know that God cannot lie. And so what God says is absolutely 100% true. Nothing is impossible. The truth is we are all living in a gross deception. This deception tells us that we are born to suffer and must simply endure it. This monstrous lie deceives us into believing that we cannot change our circumstances. When God himself says that through him nothing is impossible to us. I am here today to agree with God that nothing is impossible. You get that? Agree with God. Agree with His Word. That's very important. Our financial circumstances are not impossible. Our unsaved relatives are not impossible. The cancer that is eating away at your child's body is not impossible. Even your missing leg is not impossible for God. We are in the midst of the restoration of dominion to those who know salvation, the body of Christ. The gifts of the Spirit are a function of this restoration. The gifts of the Spirit are a function. The gifts are yours. Hence, what was lost to us through sin is given back to us through being clothed with Christ's righteousness. Jesus demonstrates this restored dominion on the Sea of Galilee. And his disciples came to him and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he saith unto them, Why are you fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. But the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? The last Adam, Jesus Christ, exercised dominion, authority. Over the earth, just as the first Adam did. The first Adam was the way God intended all of us to be. Right? In Him, meaning as we are clothed with Jesus Christ, we also have dominion. The Holy Spirit that spoke the heavens and the earth into existence literally dwells within us. Therefore, God's power to create flows through our beings. If we would dare to allow God to manifest Himself through us, nothing is impossible. As a result of the Holy Spirit, God restores this dominion to the body of Christ. God gives us a foretaste of the world to come through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We literally have the power of God dwelling within us. I mean, He's beating that in there. It's within us. All we need to do is let Him out. What does this mean for you? It means that you have, to, you have been living a lie. It means that you are rich beyond your imagination because God will literally do anything you ask. No sickness, however terrible, can stand before you when you pray in the name of Jesus. It, mean, <coughs> excuse me. it means that you are not even subject to the physical laws of this universe. You operate presently with the dominion you will have in the new heavens and new earth. It means that literally nothing is impossible for you in the name of Jesus Christ. I know that his unbelief is telling you 
that what I just wrote is impossible. Perhaps everything in your life says that what, what I wrote cannot possibly be so. Maybe you fear to believe that such marvelous things can take place in your own life. However, that may be, hear this. Almighty God recreates us back into his image and likeness. Through Adam, though Adam lost dominion over this creation through sin, Christ restores dominion over this creation through faith. Suspend your unbelief, no matter what your circumstances look like. No matter what circumstances look like in your life, speak faith to it. No matter how hopeless you feel, declare that it is well with your soul. Whatever the devil is doing, simply do not submit to it, but rather say in a loud voice, God is able. Raise your hands to God in the midst of your oppression and cry, I am free in Jesus' name. Take the dominion God gives you through Jesus Christ. Lay waste to the kingdom of Satan. Overthrow all the devil's works in your life and then liberate others too. Triumphed in the name of Emmanuel. This is amazing. So to finish up, Healing, i got to get something about healing in here today. When I'm praying to God for someone to be healed, God says, no, no matter what you have, you were healed by the stripes of Jesus Christ. So if I pray for someone or you pray for someone and say, Oh, Father God, please heal this person. What I just said was, you know, what Jesus did wasn't worth it. I'm asking you to send your power and do it because Jesus wasn't enough. No. Jesus told you to speak to that mountain. So if there is pain in someone's body, you say pain in the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has paid for this pain to be gone. You leave this body now in Jesus' name. You are taking the authority that Jesus Christ gave you to do these things. It is not your power that's doing it. It is your obedience that is releasing the Holy Spirit to do these things. If I have debts piled up on my table and I just can't seem to overcome, I look at those and I don't care what you think about this, but it works. Bills, you are paid in full in Jesus' name. And on my shoulder, the devil's saying, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. But you know what? That's what Jesus said I can do through the Holy Spirit. I can loose what's here. But if I ask God to do that for me, God says, son, I've already done it. I've already done it. And by you asking me, you don't believe that I've already done it. So if I pray and ask God to do something, if I pray and ask God to move the mountain, he says, you don't believe me. I've already told you. I want you to speak to it. So take your authority. Take the word of God as truth. And as you pray for things, don't ask God to do something he's already done. Ask the thing that needs to be done to fall in line with what God's already done. That is healing. I want to thank you for coming tonight.